0: from Luke chapter 1 we'll start at verse 5 and you'll find that on page 723 in the red pew Bible. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 to 25
1: in the time of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zachariah who belonged to the priestly division of Ibiza his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron both of them were upright in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, All the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But when the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before, before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready... A- are people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will, become, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. "'The Lord has done this for me,' she said." In these days, he has shown me favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray, folks.
0: Gracious Father, thanks so much for giving us your word. Thank you so much that we can uh, not only uh, hear your word, but by your spirit that you give us understanding, that uh, we might even live according to your word. And uh, we just pray now that you'd free us from any distractions and help us to focus on uh, what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If God gave you the opportunity to pray for just one thing and one thing alone, what would you pray for? I wonder if you can chat with the person next to you about that question while I go into my office and get the correct pair of glasses I need. (laughs) Can you ever talk about that question? folks how did you go what are some of the things that you thought What what were some of the things that you thought that you'd nail it down to would be the number one your number one prayer point anyone want to share with us yeah michelle yeah salvation of people whom we love yeah any other people want to share Sophie wants. We want to pray for Sophie. Yes, I okay. can. <laughs> Sophie, what would you want to pray for if you had one opportunity only to pray for something? So the gospel to spread through all the nations. Yep. Okay. Any other prayer points? Number one prayer point. Rex. We agree, but two in the world, and two That's two, Rex. <laughs> but maybe peace in the world and, and uh, his children becoming Christians might be related in Rex's case perhaps uh, we don't know okay look it's, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer in some senses because we know that we can pray for, pray to God about anything at any time we're not limited to one prayer point but if, if we had to nail it down it helps us to think about well what do we think is the most important thing what do we truly value And uh, we've talked about peace between the nations. We've talked about uh, the salvation of those we love. We've talked about the spread of the gospel throughout the world. All good things to pray for. You know, when the the, uh, gospel writer Luke carefully investigated the claims that had been passed down by eyewitnesses about the life of Jesus, he learnt about a man who prayed he learnt about a man whose prayer was used by god to do great things and his name was zechariah and for luke the prayer of zechariah was so important that it's it's where he starts his he begins his account of the life of jesus so come with me now to luke's gospel which we started a couple of weeks back and you remember that two weeks ago we saw that Luke claimed to have written an historical account of the things which had been passed down uh, orally uh, from eyewitnesses, from people who were actually there at the time who saw these things. And the reason that uh, Luke went to uh, lengths to Uh, open his gospel by saying that that, that I've investigated this thoroughly, I've written an orderly account of what the eyewitnesses had said, is because Luke's not interested in fantasy. He's not interested in myths. He's not interested in old wives' tales. What he's interested in is truth. He's interested in the truth about Jesus. He's interested in facts. And we see this straight off as he now launches into uh, the account of the life of Jesus. Because in verse 5 of chapter 1, Luke tells us when these things happened. Now, if you you or I were going to, if we were going to place an event in its historical context, then we might start by saying uh, what the date was, what the year was, what the month was, and so on. And other Bible writers do that. But Luke tells us who the king was at the time. Uh, And the king was Herod. I think there's a reason why he tells us who was king at the time. Uh, Because Herod in in verse 5 there was the king in Judea. He was the king in Judea from the year 40 BC through to his death in 4 BC. And he had this title of the king of Judea, but was he actually Jewish? And the answer to that question, of course, is no. no. Herod was not a Jew. Herod was what is called an Idumean. And the, the Idumeans Ind- I- uh, were the, uh, the Edomites of the Old Testament. Uh, what that meant is that uh, he was... Uh, they were descended from from Esau because the word red is Edom and Esau became Edom because Esau was a red man. Uh, so the Edomites were descendants of Esau whereas the Jews were descendants of Esau's brother whose name is Jacob. Right? And so as king of the Jews, Herod was not a Jew. Herod was an imposter. He was an Edomite. He was, he was a puppet king who had been appointed by the Romans. Now to give some historical <coughs> context to that, uh, the, um, uh, the person who had recommended that uh, Herod be given the title king of Judea was Mark Antony. And uh, Mark Antony's good friend Cleopatra uh, became a problem for Herod. She actually didn't want him because she was trying to bring Judea back into the Ptolemaic uh, Kingdom. And so that kind of just helps you to understand there's a historical context here. The point is real man, real history, but he was not the real deal. Zechariah, on the other hand, was the real deal. Uh, In verses 5 and following, verse 5 down to verse 7, Luke tells us about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They were both Jewish. They were true blue Jews. Uh, Both of them, we're told, uh, were descendants of Moses' brother Aaron. Uh, And you'll remember when we looked at Exodus a few months ago, and we had the sermon on the, there was the tabernacle and then there was the sermon on the priesthood and we saw that uh, Aaron, Moses' brother, was to be the high priest, his family were to be a family of priests and so on down the line in terms of his descendants. So both Elizabeth and Zechariah were descendants of Aaron, which means that they were from priestly families. And because Luke wants to nail this in history, in Israel's history, he tells us in verse 5 the exact priestly family division which Zechariah belonged to. Uh, It was the family division, the priestly division, of a man by the name of Abijah. And we read about him, I think it's in 2 Chronicles. So, uh, this is nailed in history. In the history of the world and in israel's history but being a priest doesn't necessarily make someone godly does it i mean there's plenty of ungodly priests in the old testament and in the new testament Uh, but not so with zechariah and elizabeth because in verse six we see their character is described and they are described as being upright in the sight of god These are people who observed all of the Lord's commandments and regulations and they did so blamelessly. They weren't perfect, they were sinful people, but in terms of uh, their uh, desire, of their heart and the actions of their lives, these were godly people. But God had not blessed them with children. And they were getting on in years. It looked like they would never get to enjoy the blessings of parenthood. So, what do we know about them? Priestly, godly, childless. That's good background information for the key event which Luke now describes. Now, by the way, being a priest (coughs) in first century Judea uh, was not a full-time paid position. Um, Zechariah didn't live anywhere near the temple. We're told in verse 39 of chapter 1 that he lived in the hill country of Judea which means that he was probably a farmer but once once every year his priestly division would be on duty at the temple and on this occasion we're told he was actually chosen by Lot, he was chosen from amongst the priests to actually enter the temple and to offer incense now this was a huge event for Zechariah. Offering incense inside the temple was a great privilege amongst the priests. In fact a a priest could only offer incense uh, no more than once in his entire lifetime and uh, there was a good number of priests who never got that opportunity. But Zechariah had been chosen. Uh, in verses 8 through to 10 Zechariah would have he would have entered the temple from from the out from the court of, outside the building he would have entered into the temple with other priests into the holy place not the most holy place because there's only one person who can enter into the most holy place and that's the high priest and only once a year but he would have entered into the holy place and then the other priests would have then withdrawn and joined the worshippers outside whilst inside, Zechariah performed his priestly duty of offering incense. Now in one sense, uh, this was the most important moment in Zechariah's life. But it turned out that it was even more important than what he had expected For in verse 11, inside that holy place, Zechariah was gripped with fear. Not because he was inside the holy place, not because he was beside the the altar of incense, but he was gripped with fear because, well, he discovered that he was not alone. That an angel from the Lord was there with him, had appeared. Imagine that. How would you react? Well, we can't imagine it, can we? It's just extraordinary. Very, very extraordinary. The, the word angel, of course, means messenger. And in this context, it means a messenger from God. And God had not been sending too many messengers to Israel of late. God had not even been sending many prophets to Israel of late. It had been 400 years since the last significant prophecy from God. 400 years since the end of the Old Testament and God had been silent. But now, the angel had appeared and so Zechariah is terrified. Notice how the angel calms Zechariah down. Take a look at verse 13. In verse 13, we said, it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Your prayer has been heard. Now, the way that the, the word prayer is used here with the, uh, the grammar uh, that Luke used in the original Uh, It actually means a prayer which has been offered on a specific occasion. It's sort of like a, it's referring to a one event kind of prayer. And so therefore it most likely uh, refers to a prayer that Zechariah has just prayed uh, inside the temple. What do you think he might have prayed for? Well, on first glance we might think, well, maybe he prayed for a child. I mean, that's what the angel said he would receive. But yet when we come to verse 18, uh, when uh, the angel says that he's going to have a... uh, after he's heard that he's going to have a child, he actually found that hard to believe uh, that he was going to have a child because his wife was so old. So did he pray for a child or did he pray for something else? On this once-in-a-lifetime priestly moment, Representing Israel before God, it's not unlikely unlike, it's, it's that he would have brought a personal prayer before the Lord. We can't say for sure because the passage is silent on the matter, but it seems more likely that he would have prayed for God's people, that he would have prayed for Israel. In the first century, godly Jews lived in dissatisfaction because they longed for the kingdom of God. They clung to the promises that God had made to Abraham of a people, a land, and a blessing. Remember those promises? They remembered God's promise that he had once made to to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, that uh, uh, David wasn't going to build a house for the Lord, but rather the Lord was going to build a house for David and he didn't mean a physical building he meant a dynasty that david would have sons who would and he would have a son a son that one descendant of david would sit on the throne of god's kingdom and that that would be a kingdom which would be forever and forever and forever and forever a kingdom described by zechariah in his song in verses 67 through to 79 after Uh, the birth of his son a kingdom the character of, of which is redemption salvation mercy holiness righteousness and forgiveness a kingdom ruled by God's true king in the line of David that was the hope that was the promise but yet God's people were oppressed. God's people were ruled by a murderous Gentile Idumean king who answered to his masters in Rome. Godly Jews prayed for forgiveness. They prayed for mercy. They prayed for the coming of God's king. And so alone in the holy place, representing Israel to God, it's likely that that was the prayer of Zechariah. And God's answer to that prayer this time is, yes, yes. For Zechariah, it was a privilege to offer incense in the temple, but that privilege was about to be far outstripped. For in answering Zechariah's kingdom prayer, the answer was that this elderly couple would now actually play a role in that verse 13 have a look at this but the angel said to him do not be afraid zechariah your prayer has been heard your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name john he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the holy spirit even from birth many of the people of israel will he bring back to the lord their god and he will go on before the lord in the spirit and the power of elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people Prepared for the Lord. Wow. The child's name will be John. Uh, John, meaning the Lord is gracious. Sometimes in some language it's like Johannes. It's Yahweh is gracious. The Lord is gracious, shall be his name. Gracious. Indeed, not just because this elderly couple was now going to have a baby, but rather because in this child we see that God has not forgotten his promises. In this child we see that in fact the kingdom of God is near and is about to come. Now, the very last book of the Old Testament is the prophecy of Malachi. Uh, I used to think it was pronounced Malachi, that he was some sort of an Italian prophet, but uh, no, that's not the case. You can laugh at that. <laughs> Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. Can you go back to Malachi for a moment? It's easy to find just before Matthew. The very last page of the Old Testament, if you wouldn't mind turning that up. When you set the context here, the... Uh, people of israel had been in exile in babylon um, the persians had taken over cyrus had become ruler cyrus was used by god to allow the uh, jews to return they returned to the land they resettled the land they rebuilt the temple well that wasn't a shadow on the temple that went before the one that solomon had built even though the prophets kept on saying that the temple was going to be even greater. And the era uh, returned from exile, uh, with the temple being built, the priests were now offering up sacrifices. But this was far short of the kingdom which God had promised and kept on promising. Uh, Israel was ruled by Persia. And uh, in chapter 2, Her priests were ungodly men, ungodly men. They were not like Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were ungodly. In fact, I found something really interesting here. If you have a look at um, chapter 2, verse 3, when God is talking to the priests, check out what God says he's going to do. He says, uh, Because of you I will rebuke your descendants, I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices and you'll be carried off with it. Now, can you picture that? What's he saying there? This is polite language, isn't it? That the Bible is. You get the picture, don't you? But that's, that's God's view of the priests at the time. But the Old Testament, friends, ends on a note of promise let's read chapter 4 of malachi uh, where the prophet says surely the day is coming it will burn like a furnace all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble and that day that is coming will set them on fire says the lord almighty not a root or a branch will be left to them but for you who revere my name The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So ends the Old Testament. There's a lot of imagery there, isn't there? Old Testament imagery. But as the Old Testament ends, What therefore should be the expectation of God's people? What is it that they should be thinking is going to happen next in God's plan? Well, what we see there is that God will send Elijah. Elijah will come again. Elijah who who stood up to Ahab and Jezebel. Elijah, who prayed for a drought to sweep across the land, a healing judgment. Elijah, who challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah, who called Israel to faith and repentance. Elijah, who stood up for God in the face of ungodliness to call people back to their true king. And after Elijah comes the Lord himself. That's how the Old Testament ends. The son of Zechariah is the promised Elijah figure. Uh, in, the words of this, in the words of this very last verse of the Old Testament, the angel in the temple tells Zechariah that it is his son who will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children filled with the holy spirit john would call israel back to their true king to the lord their god and he would do so in order to make way to prepare for the coming of the lord john would be a great figure John would be great because he is the Elijah figure, but yet he's small compared to the one who would come next, who is the Lord himself. Now Zechariah was a godly man, but uh, uh, godly people are not perfect. Have uh, you notice that? We struggle. Uh, Sometimes we fall. Uh, But he was a godly man. But even so, as a godly man, he kind of had trouble wrapping his mind around the very earthly stuff that the angel was saying inside the temple. The stuff about how Elizabeth, in her old age, was going to have a baby. Who had he forgotten about? Sarah. Forgotten about Sarah, hadn't he? But anyway... Verse 18, if you go back to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 18. uh, Zechariah asked the angel, he said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. How can I be sure of this? He wanted a sign. He wanted some sort of proof that he could stake his trust in what the angel was saying. And the angel has got two things to say in response to that. Number one the angel identifies himself I am Gabriel I am Gabriel he says Uh, friends there are only two angels in the Bible who are given names Uh, one is the archangel Michael we read about that in the book of Jude the other one is Gabriel Gabriel who during the Babylonian exile appeared to Daniel and uh, in Daniel chapter 9 as he appeared to Daniel he revealed to Daniel uh, God's plan of what would take place from the time of the exile to the coming of the Lord's anointed, the king and the angel in the temple saying to Zechariah that's me that's me. I stand in the presence of God. I'm in that, in that inner court of the heavenlies with the archangel Michael. And I've come to deliver this good news to you, this gospel. That's the first thing. Secondly, the angel says, well, the reason that you want to sign is because you don't believe by words. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. God has been silent for 400 years. God has now spoken. And now you will be silent until this promise is fulfilled, until the baby is born. Now, friends, Luke tells us in verse 21 that, um, uh, that whilst all of this is going on inside the temple, the crowd outside is starting to wonder. What's going on to old Zechariah? Why is he taking so long? What's happening? Is he and then when he came out and he couldn't speak, they go, aha, he's seen a vision. Something significant has gone on in there. And then as the months rolled on, it actually became obvious that what the angel had said was true because Elizabeth, started to be new clothes <laughs> it was clear that she was pregnant about 30 years later a man would emerge in the desert preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sin in luke chapter 3 he is identified as john the son of zechariah and then came jesus More about that in a couple of weeks' time. But you and I, we live in a different era, don't we? God's King Jesus, we know, has come. And in his coming, he has established the basis of his kingship by his death for our sins, by his resurrection. That proves that he has defeated death. That proves that he is now with his Father in the heavenlies from where he rules and from whence he shall come again. And for these 2,000 years that have passed, men and women and boys and girls around the globe, people from every nation, of every race, of every tribe, of every language group, have found forgiveness and have named Jesus, as their king God's kingdom continues to grow God's kingdom continues to spread and it spreads as people like us tell others about Jesus but we live in a tension don't we like Israel we live in a a, a, a time of a we're wanting something else to happen we're looking forward to another day. We live in a tension because whilst God's kingdom is still growing it is growing in this world. In this world where faith and repentance lives alongside temptation and sin until Jesus comes again. And so like Zechariah in the temple we pray don't we? We pray those prayers which we talked about earlier on. We pray that many, many, many more people would hear the gospel. We pray for the thousands of kids in our schools in Port Macquarie. We're hearing the gospel every week. We pray for our neighbors, we pray for our families, we pray we pray that many, many more people would repent and trust in Jesus, be forgiven and join the kingdom. And we might also pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Which we'll pray now. Father, we thank you that you are in control of history. We thank you, Father God, that you are faithful to your promises. We thank you, Father God, uh, for the coming of the Elijah figure that he did preach repentance and faith we thank you that he prepared the way for your king your anointed one god the son jesus we thank you that though he was crowned with a crown of thorns that he came back from the dead And in doing so, Lord God, that he has shown that he truly is king. King not just of a block of land in the Middle East, but king of the whole universe. Father, we pray that he would be king of the lives of many, many more people. And we ask this knowing that one day he will come again. We pray for that day. We pray that before he comes, that many more would come and join the kingdom. But, Father, we want to put an end to sin and suffering and rebellion against you. And we know that that happens when the Lord Jesus comes for the last time. We pray for that in his name. Amen.